Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. And in this episode, we are covering uh, 1995's Clueless and 2020's Emma. Yes, uh, so this is a Valentine's Day episode, uh, which I didn't realize when I chose these two that the 2020 Emma was released on Valentine's Day, so um, the makers of the movie also thought it was Valentine's worthy. Um, Yeah, these are both pretty straightforward adaptations of a Jane Austen novel, I think. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of similarities between the two of them, even though the era they're set in are vastly different. Um, it's sort of weird to me that this sort of era of history, um, mm-hmm. when I'm talking about Emma, of course, um, obviously the era of history where Clueless takes place is also... Interesting. Interesting. Um, it's weirdly romanticised, and I find it mildly disturbing. Mm. Because I, you know, being a Kiwi, you know, we were, we were the first country to give women voting. Yeah. And there's a weird, this like weirdness of like romanticizing a time where women didn't have like rights. It's very funny because, um, you know, Jane Austen was writing these novels in that kind of period. Yeah. And they're very much like criticizing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to, to, to a certain extent. The, uh, the expectations around women. Um, so it's funny that now, like, people look back at them, like, I think Bridgerton is set in that era, and people yeah. really romanticise that. I've never watched it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even Pride and Prejudice, people think of, like, the costumes and how pretty it is and stuff without actually, like, analysing the, the text or the adaptations. Or the era that it took place in. Yeah. Where we're focusing completely stories on these very, very wealthy white people. Mm-hmm. And it's really like, oh, cool. You know. Yeah. We'll have to do a Pride and Prejudice episode at some point. We'll just decide on some adaptations to do. Because I think it would be really interesting to pick apart um, Jane Austen's commentary on the. Um, social etiquette at the time yeah um from that perspective i think in emma it's very much a character study of emma um but deeply steeped in the these societal expectations and um you know how she sees herself compared to other people and things like that yeah it's 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 a i think i we were about 30 minutes in and you asked me if I was okay, and my response is, I have no friggin' clue what's happening. Um, <laughs> Did that improve as it, as it went on? Did you get more of an understanding of what was going on? Yes and no. I think okay. I think the juxtaposition between uh, Emma and Clueless kind of made the story more cohesive, which sounds really bizarre. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's... Well, it means that Clueless, while a very unconventional adaptation... adaptation does a good job of it because yeah. it's like how do I translate you know this story that's based very much on the specific etiquette that no longer exists how yeah. do I translate that to you know 90s American society <laughs> in a way that people will go oh this is what the relationships in Emma are about yeah it's it's interesting to me because there was a lot of comedy in Emma that I wasn't expecting um and 
it's it's the easiest way to put it into words is there's a lot of sort of situational humor that happens in Emma mm-hmm. that I don't know if wasn't a hundred percent intentional. No, oh, I think it is. I think I mean you know, Clueless is clearly a comedy. Yeah, but it's also um, more of a. It, it to me feels like a satire. Yeah, but I but here's the thing is that Emma itself, like I said, Jane Austen was making. Yeah essentially satirical commentaries on that society um so it is i think it is intended as a i haven't read the book i'll say right. um but i my understanding is that jane austen did intend it to be somewhat of a comedy so the, the comedy that it got to me that i the parts that i found the funniest was something that i find unbelievably uncomfortable and and mm-hmm. Like not maybe modern era is really hard to point because obviously you know I never I've never been friends with people who have had people who doubt on them constantly, um, and I think the servants in Emma mm-hmm. were the funniest to me. Why? Because of just the the weirdness of. Um, some of the requests that are made, the awkwardness that they're put in, mm. um, the constant, the constant complaints about drafts, yeah, yeah, was so amusing to me. <laughs> um, absolutely brilliant performance by uh, why is his name gone? Bill Bill Nye. Bill Nye's yeah. just performance in the whole movie is just absolutely fantastic. He's fantastic in in a lot of things though. So. Um, and, you know, this constant, like, I feel a draft, and all the servants just, like, freaking out and running around in circles like headless chickens, just, like, trying to... And, and like, the screens, the whole repeated, like, oh, there's a draft. Put the screens around, like... Yeah. This... And, and it goes back to what makes me uncomfortable about it is this concept of having these people, having like, being in this era, being that wealthy... Mm-hmm. And having these people constantly surround you, dressing you, doing everything for you. It just really shows that without money, these people are like basically helpless. And it really does show in Clueless the fact that if she wasn't, if she and the family weren't wealthy, she'd be absolutely screwed. Because she's... she's yeah. and, it's, and it's interesting because when we're talking about juxtaposition... Sheer in Clueless is very, very, very skin deep until later on. Like, in the beginning, it's just like, oh, she's got a touch screen that dresses her, and when she tries to put clothes in, that she's like, oh, this might be a cute outfit. The thing's just like, no, nah, mismatch, you can't do that. Like, you can't dress. Yeah. It's at the point where technology and wealth has given her so much excess. Mm-hmm that without it she'd be completely utterly lost where it yeah. comes to the point where she gets dropped in the valley and is instantly robbed and is more concerned about the fact that her dress is yeah. more important than the fact there's a guy with a gun to her head. Yeah, she just has no concept yeah. of anything outside of her little bubble. Yeah. I mean, that very much is the case in Emma as well because I think the whole idea is that Emma thinks she's a lot more intelligent than she is. Yeah. And there's a comment in it where, where she's talking about um, Jane Fairfax. Yeah. And she's and, and they say that she's very accomplished. And um, 
Mr. Knightley says to her, it's almost like she's the accomplished woman you like to pretend you are, or something to that yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah. And it's, that is, it's, a, it's exactly what's going on, in that she thinks really highly of herself, and because she has wealth, and people see her as, as, as handsome, is how she's described, um, people act like she's accomplished. Yeah. But she's not. She, and, if, and if you took the wealth away from her, she would have nothing. She's, she doesn't know how to do anything, really. Yeah. Um, just for the record, it is classed as a comedy of manners, which is a specific class of, um, of satirical and realistic comedy based in that general period uh, that is satirizing the manners and social conventions of right. the area. So it is. it was intended by Jane Austen to be a comedy. Um, and it was intended to be a satire. So obviously Clueless amps really, that up. Yeah, really, <laughs> really runs with the, the satire. And I guess that's to get across that. Because, like, I mean, someone, you know, in our day and age reading Jane Austen novels might not read the satire in there because yeah. they don't have the conventions. You know, they're not living with, with that. So it's not, um, it's not as easy to recognize satire especially if it's like a realistic or subtle satire of a society that you don't actually have a have a connection to <laughs> whereas if we're what you know we both lived through the 90s if we're watching a satire of the 90s we're like yep yep, yep there it is <laughs> that's a satire it's it's interesting because like both the characters Cher and Emma mm-hmm. are sort of like as we as we said vapid yeah um self-important and it's interesting because they spend both movies manipulating others yeah. to make themselves more grandized. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because in Clueless, they hook up two teachers together because she wants better grades. Mm-hmm. So they want the teachers to be happy. So therefore they're like, okay, disgusting. Yeah. Um, maybe the little bit of happiness that the teachers get is... Yeah. Warranted. I understand that, you know, these are all fictional characters and they're real, but, like, I can't help myself because I watch so many movies, too, and, and you know, adaptations from movies into television shows or books into television shows, books into movies, um, to see the greater uh, picture when it comes to, you know, okay, you know, you've got two unhappy teachers... This girl's like, oh, you know, I didn't get, you know, I didn't didn't learn from my father, who's a litigator, um, to be able to argue my way out out of a better grade. So what I'm going to do is manipulate these two people's lives, mm-hmm. and you know, um, so for my own benefit, you know, without the consequences of knowing what happens, you know, you know, they're just teachers. You don't know what they do outside their lives. Yeah, um, and you know, there is. A possibility that maybe maybe that the the intention was to you know make them happy so you get you know better grades but you know you have to look at the, the grand picture of it where an Emma her matchmaking is what she's doing mm-hmm. is not only detrimental to to what's going on within within the greater scheme of like the, the people they're involved with but it's also because of um, the the Thai character that's in the new girl, 
um, not the show, the, the new girl in the school. And, <laughs> and Clueless. And, yeah, and Clueless. And Harriet. And Harriet. Is this, I'm not going to let you be happy at my expense, so I'm going to destroy you, but it's only because I'm trying to help you because I'm your friend. Is this weird, disgusting, like, behaviour. Yeah, it's not, um, I don't think in either case she's trying to destroy her. I think in both cases, and I mean, they say it outright in Clueless, say, yeah. that she's taking her on as a project. So yeah. she's viewing her as a project rather than the person. And she's trying to build her in her own image, essentially, yeah. and match her with a person that she views is suitable for yeah, her. or equal to, yeah, her value. Um... And it's, you know, it's interesting because obviously how they do it in Emma is that Harriet, you know, doesn't have, um, she's not of noble birth, essentially no one knows her ancestry, they don't know who her father is, yeah. um, so she doesn't have this level of, um, of status that Emma has, and, and she only gains any amount of status by being Emma's friend, yeah. um, and... She initially is in love with a guy who's a farmer who also doesn't really have a lot of status, but possibly has more status than she initially does. Yeah. Um, and Emma's like, no, 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 he's beneath you, you know, and and discourages her from from that relationship. And in Clueless, um, you have the setup that, um, you know, Brittany Murphy's character Ty, when she comes into it first, like ask basically asks them, do they have any drugs she can smoke? Yeah. So it, it's set up instantly that she's a stoner, even though they don't cop it. They yeah. they're like, because she asks for herbs, and they're like, oh, we don't have any tea. Yeah. Um, and the guy that she's interested in is also a stoner. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the so it's setting up right from the beginning that hey, these guys are at the same level. But because Cher has decided this is her project, she's going to make her one of the popular kids and she can only date one of the popular kids, um, she just totally dismisses this guy who actually is not only of equal standing, but has e has similar interests yeah. to, uh, to Ty. It's, it's, um, the characters in Emma are fascinating mm. because it is such a... It's, it's alien to me. Um I didn't grow up wealthy, and I'm also a Kiwi, so this whole, like, classism system in, like, it was just basic, based on school zones, you know, that's that's how you had friends, as everyone right. sort of lived close by because there were so many schools. Um, and it sort of went into adulthood as well, because, you know, you you go to high school or, um, based on your school zoning, Mm. And usually the school zoning is based on what's the closest school, and therefore if you have lower lower cost accommodation, you know cheaper rents, cheaper mortgages, you tend to end up with the same people that are in the same sort of financial situation you yeah. are. Um, there are some outliers, like friends of mine went to um, the school that I went to because that the older brother had made such a What's the nice way of putting it? Impression on the faculty that they were like, yeah, we're not going to like... Cause Take just, more of your kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just along the lines of the parents deciding, hey, look, your brother did some damage to our family name, so we're going to like give you a fresh slate by going to another school. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is interesting um, from that point of view, but it is very alien to me of this concept of, of, you know, like this high tea society and, and women waiting and, you know, 
maybe that's just my modern era, my modern, like, women should be equal to men, mm -hmm. not be, like, walking around being like, oh, hello, hello, you know. <laughs> Oh, yes, no, your standing is lower than mine, so therefore I can't talk to you unless, you know, even in the church sequence, the first church sequence to the second church sequence, uh, where her, her close friend's getting married to a far older man. Mm. Um, another, she was in Game of Thrones, right? I'm pretty sure. Which, well, which one? Um, There's a lot of British actors. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> true, it's not going to help. Um, Mia Goth. No? Mia Goss. No, no, sorry, that's the wrong. She person. was definitely not in Game of Thrones. Um, She's in a lot of horror these days. Trying to find it. Sorry. And uh, no, it wasn't Fairfax. Who's the person that gets married in the first place? Um. She was. She was their maid, wasn't she? Misses something, and she marries Mister Weston. So. Uh, she be like she might be cast as Miss, Mrs. Weston. Is that right? Oh yeah, you're right. She was Yara Greyjoy. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I didn't even cop that. Yeah. Um, and you have this sort of relationship, where you know the 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 um Emma and her father get like the front row front pew of the church, mm -hmm. and then it's this weird relationship where I I don't know the the um. What was the religion? What was it? Was because they're not Catholics. They're no, they'd be Protestant because yeah. the the Reverend is allowed to marry. Which is yeah. Um, and yeah. then he's attracted to Emma. It'd be Church Church of England. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to divorce my wife. Um, I'm gonna go change the church and have a war. Um, yeah. So it goes from this this thing where he's attracted to Emma and she's just like what like get the hell away from me. Mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was a very interesting scene. Um, and then, yeah, it comes back and then he's got a new wife who's bizarre and he's just, like, completely checked out mentally for the rest of the movie, which I thought was bizarre. Yeah, and in both cases, it's it's the, the guy... I think his name is the same, but Elton, isn't it? Yeah. In both, both cases, that it, it's the person that she tries to set up her friend with, so yeah. Ty or Harriet. Yeah. And, you know, the, the reason that she gets them to dismiss the, the guy that they're actually interested in is to pursue this guy who then turns out is interested in Emma slash yeah. Cher. Yeah. Um, which, and then she's like, oh shit, I gotta go apologize to this person because I've, I've messed up their life. Um, unintentionally when it turned out that this guy wasn't even interested. Because um, I think in both cases, she genuinely believes that there is interest. Yeah. When it, she's just not realised that it's in her. It's, um, I think the one, I say one character, but the two characters we've sort of glossed over is is um, the, the actual love interest of the main character. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um, Wait, which now when you say the actual love interest, <laughs> do you mean the love interest by the end of the movie, or the love interest that they think they're in love with earlier in the movie? Well, well, I think we should go with earlier in the movie first. Yeah. So we have in Clueless, new guy Christian starts school. It is he is referenced before that because there and she talks oh, about him because the teacher's like who who's this Christian guy is is there a Christian in this class and she's yeah. like oh well the story is his parents have separated so he's spending half the year or half the semester at this other school and then yeah, half yeah. the semester here um and whereas in Emma it's um the son of this guy that she's just set up with her maid and um 
she's never met him, but this guy talks highly of him, so she's kind of built this image of him in her head. Yeah. So in both cases, there's references to this person beforehand, and they're anticipating their arrival. Um. So there's a, a lot of room for this this character in both instances who like is a romantic and believes in setting people up or whatever, yeah. and then is building an image of this guy who then shows up and to them is handsome or, you know, appealing. Yeah, because there's a weird, there's weird stuff going on. He's, he's, and Emery's um, got a very sick aunt. Yeah. And then took his uncle's name. Yeah, he's gonna, I think his, the idea is that his aunt and uncle don't have any heirs of their own. Yeah. And they're wealthier than his father. Yeah. So he, as the nephew, is going to inherit their estate. But he's changed... when So when he came of age, he changed his last name to his uncle's last name to yeah. inherit their estate. Yeah. And... Um, Again, it's weird. Yeah. Politics and, and societal ideals. And then Christian, on the other hand, is... I sort of caught it before the character did. It's so good. Because <laughs> it's funny, looking at the IMDb of... Um, clueless like a whole load of it is just all the hints they drop about Christian yeah because the first second he appears spoiler alert well spoiler alert Christian is gay yeah um, but the first instant he appears first of all he's just dressed like he's out of a 50s movie the whole time like he's just trying to be James Dean yeah um, but in the background behind him is a no discrimination poster yeah and then he's like reading a book about homosexuality in World War Two, and then yeah. there's like every single moment with him is a reference to the fact that he's gay. And then you find out later, and she's like, "What?" The the bit that cracked me up, and this is like an ongoing like meme within like um, within a lot of movies. Like airplanes, a great reference, where one male character asks another character, "Do you like gladiator movies?" And it's like, oh, we're going to watch movies. And it's like, oh, what are they watching? And they're watching gladiator movies. And I was just like... No, so they watch some like it hot and Spartacus. Yeah. Uh, both of which feature Tony Curtis in, uh, like, doing something queer, essentially. Because yeah, yeah. it's unlike it hot. It's all about him, like, cross-dressing him and Jack Lemmon. And then Spartacus... What does she call it? She doesn't even call it Spartacus. I don't know what she, she calls it. She calls it something really weird. Yeah. But they're, like... I think this particular scene they're watching even is, like, two men trying to seduce each other. Yeah. Um, and he and she's, like, trying to hit, hit on him and he's totally gross <laughs> in this film. And I love that the way she phrased it is, he has a thing for Tony Curtis. It's like, yeah, I think he does have a thing for yeah. Tony Curtis. I think you're right. It's um yeah it's it's so funny, watching watching something that's just so like, because I I think I think in the modern era, people are more outward with their sexuality, mm -hmm. and the confusion, is, on her part mainly, but it's also like all right mate like you could have been just been like hey look I I know we're like hanging out together but like here's some information about me that might be. <laughs> You know, you've you've spent an entire day making like you and your friend making sure the lighting in the house makes you look good and you're like all this weird and it's just just the vapidness of, of Cher and that whole whole lead up, like sending herself gifts to make him jealous, 
What does she say? I like to wear skimpy clothes because it reminds men of nudity, which makes them think about sex. <laughs> and it's just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's, I think it's like that. It's a satire on like, you know, these t- wealthy teenage girls and their idea of what men are interested in. And like, Throughout the movie, pretty much no men are interested in it. It's not something that any of them actually seem to care about at any point. Um, you know, and so it's it's and even it's even commented on that like um the reason guys are into college girls is because they don't do all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, wait, well, if you know that, then why are you still claiming that you're doing this, you know, to get the guy's attention or whatever? It's um Going back, I've just had like a, a, a genetic memory pop up here. Um, there was, you, you, do you in Ireland, do you have links or is it axe there? The body spray? Uh, links, I believe. Links, I okay. don't know. You were asking someone with no sense of smell. Oh, yeah, true. I've never had to deal with Oh my with God, this you never would have suffered through this. No. Okay. <laughs> also, I went to all girls' schools. True. So... <laughs> But then I'm, I'm assuming I that... I think, yeah, I think links. There might have been both. I okay. don't know. Um, so... Are they the same thing under different names? Yeah, they're they? the same product. Like, they're I all named the after the... they all named, like, the that it would give the writers of scented candles, like, nightmares. Um, I was... Yeah, the, they're all, like, Africa and, like, you know, like, weird names... Mm. Almost borderline. Uh, what was it that I saw that, that made me laugh? It was uh, determining if something was a sports drink flavor or a um, uh, laundry product. Right. Because they're all like Ocean Blast and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the point that I was trying to make, um, which has now completely gone out of my head. Well, my what I thought you were going to talk about was. Like this uh, image oh. of of teenage boys wearing yeah, yeah, yeah. this, sorry, sorry, over spraying this horrible stench yeah, yeah, yeah. that no one has appealed. No by. one, like to the point where, <laughs> um, because after every time you know you do like PE, yeah, um, physical any form of physical education or after class, all the boys would just like um, like douse themselves to the point where their skin was literally yeah, wet. Yeah, shower in a can. Shower right? in a can. <laughs> And I think one of the teachers, I don't remember which one it was, like, had this moment because I think the audit, like, this was like, I think I was in, like, intermediate, which I think is called secondary. I, I don't, it's weird. Mm. New Zealand's education system is weird how we, like, primary school, secondary school, or, like, intermediate and then college. Um, I think that's like, if, if there's Americans listening, it's like the difference between elementary, middle school, and high school. Yeah, yeah. Because they've got a middle school, which yeah. I think is your intermediary. Yeah. In Ireland, we just go, what's, we just what's go primary hi- then. What's junior high then? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Is that not part of high school? Oh, okay. I uh, don't... I'm not American. I was trying to... Get in the comments. Tell middle, us what it was. I know they've got something called middle school that's in the middle. But in Ireland, we just have primary school, and then we have secondary school. Yeah. And then we refer to, like, college, et cetera, as tertiary education. So yeah. it's one, two, three. Makes sense. Um, yeah, it was it was an, an assembly. And, like, I think the like one of the teachers was just like, hey, I want to do a social experiment here. All the girls who like the, the, the way the boys, like, apply 
their um, links. links, please raise your hand. And no one raised their mm-hmm. hand. And then for like, th- like the smell, like dropped from, <laughs> from like, uh, you couldn't breathe too. But it's, that's, yeah, I, it's the same idea that like, it doesn't actually appeal to anyone. Yeah. It's, it's, um, cause I think Link's got, Link's or Axe got sued. Right. Because they, I know we're going off topic here, but it, it's, it's uh, not, it's yeah. still in the, in the idea of, you know, the, the zone of clueless. Yeah. Um, because some guy had, like, worn it every day and, yeah. like, acted the same way they always act in those commercials. Yeah. Because they're the most blatant of lying to your... Oh, yeah, yeah. ...customer. And he never got dates. Yeah. And it's well, like, yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and he ended up winning because he basically involved... Like, it's so sad. Um, I'm assuming the poor guy was probably on the spectrum, if not, you know... Something else was going on in his life where he thought ads were real. Um, the this this concept of yeah, spending his entire life just doing the Z, yeah. which is when you spray from one armpit across your chest down to your waist and then across your waist, um, his entire life and never getting dates, never having any interest from women, and ended up taking them to court and just being like, "You ruined my life." And they were like, "Yeah, yes, buddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> we know your product does not appeal to any of the opposite sex." It's bizarre, but it is. Yeah, so that same idea that like the amount of effort these girls are putting into things in this yeah. movie, when like the guys really don't give a shit. Yeah, they don't. And it's funny too because like the. We should probably introduce um, the actual who they end up with in the end, um, which actually appear way earlier in both the movies. But it's in fact their stepbrother. So in Emma, he's not her stepbrother. His brother and her sister are married. But the way that the etiquette and stuff of the time was is that that they're then considered family yeah so that's why there's the the quote in it which i thought was funny because i've seen clueless you haven't seen clueless before uh and the quote was we're not really so much brother and sister to make it improper when she's suggesting that they dance together yeah um whereas in clueless the way that they've tried to like emulate the taboo of that relationship without like making them actually related yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that they're former step siblings. So yeah. that her her dad, who is her biological father, five years ago was married to this guy's mother. Yeah. And they've been separated for five years. Yeah. Um but he still because what the dad says is you you divorce spouses, you don't divorce children. Yeah. Um so he still views him as his son, which makes it a bit Yeah. Weird, iffy. There's also, like, the fact that they're both... Well, he's a litigator and, and Paul Rudd's studying law. Yeah. So there would be some, like, commonality there of, like, how much influence... Because, you know, based on their ages, five years ago, and then it's not explicitly said, I don't remember if it was or not, I'm pretty sure it wasn't, um, how long their relationship lasted. So he might have had... Yeah, no, she just said... She said you were barely married to her, is what she said. So yeah. the implication is that they weren't married for very long. Yeah. But, but he still no... would have been an error of his life to change it from having this, you know, very successful litigator as a, as a father figure. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, he's in college and he's um, he's talking about choosing his major, essentially, because yeah. he wants to study environmental law. And the dad's like, why would you do that? Yeah. There's no money in environmental law. Um... 
But I think that would place him at around 19 or 20 years old. Yeah. And she's supposed to be 16. Yeah. So five years ago, he would have been, you know, 14 or, 14 or 15 and she would have been 11. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas in Emma, Emma is 21. I don't think they st- state, well, certainly not in the movie, they don't state how old Mr. Knightley is. Hmm. But I think it is implied also that he is. So did his sister die? How is he single? No, her, his brother was married to her, is married to her sister. Oh, right. They're sorry. both in it. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. They're both in the movie. They show up. Um, oh, that's right. The the fussy cut. Oh my god. Yeah, that was yeah. So annoying. Yeah, yeah. They're not. I was like completely focused on Bill Nye's performance that entire scene. <laughs> and just like lost everything else. Um, yeah. So the so they do they do visit and it's and you know the and it's never really outrightly stated. I think um, what the relationship is there, but he's like standing. So Mr. Knightley is standing over the other guy's shoulder, or whatever. Yeah. And I think they do refer to him also as Knightley. Um, so. So he's yeah so uh, so but I think because he's inherited the estate I think himself yeah which would imply probably that the brother who's married her sister is the younger brother yeah and she's and it's Emma's older sister so there will be somewhat of an age gap there but they're both in their early twenties I think yeah um and yeah but like that if you know if they were married if if the brother and sister were married for a few years, then they also would have known each other since they yeah, were yeah. teenagers or whatever, or, or been considered family since they were teenagers. Do you know the thing that I found the most disgusting about Clueless? What? This is going to sound really weird. It was the use of fridge drawers. <laughs> Did you pick up on that watching it? pay attention to so, the fridge drawers so in the two uh, when when paul rudd's character is like in the house oh you mean when they just had the fridge drawer out on the counter yes but did you see what they were like one it, of the, it was just full of like chopped carrots or something one was full of chopped carrots and the other one was like pre-folded sandwich meat <laughs> and just like, loose in a drawer just look but no it's not loose it was like perfectly, <laughs> it was on sheets it yeah, was all perfectly sheets. arranged and i was just like what are they who, doing what like she spends she spends half the movie talking to her dad like she's like looking after a, a person in a retirement home. Yeah, I mean, I like think you that's... have to drink the juice. It's got vitamin C. The doctor said, you know, the doctor said, the doctor said, the doctor which, said, which you can't makes eat this, daddy. A lot of sense in Emma. Yeah. Because the father is obviously uh, has something wrong with him that she is caring for him. And she yeah. can't leave him alone. But in I guess in Clueless, they're trying to have the health situation, but there would be no, there's no equivalent of that, like inheriting the estate. Yeah. So he has to be earning money in order for them to have that wealth. Yeah. So they have to try and balance that, you know, he has health issues that she has to look after, plus he is working enough to be wealthy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a weird, a weird balance. So it ends up with a, with a bit of a strange relationship going on there where you're not even sure like does he want her to be doing this but then later on he's like oh but you look after me so well and yeah. it's like, okay it's it's the thing that i find just yeah just it was so bizarre to me because for for people who are adults who are listening 
who realized that the ideals when they were children, you know, what's the joke, the meme that always pops up is um, fruit and vegetables go off a lot faster when you buy them yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you leave a carrot that you don't use in the back of the fridge for a couple of days and it's now like made out of like, it might as well be like the same consistency as a hot dog. It's all floppy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, exactly. And there's this concept that they are so wealthy and clearly have people looking after them that they would just fill an entire drawer with carrot sticks. Yeah. So someone had to sit there and like, because you can't buy them. Like, you can't just go, well, maybe you can in super rich, like, LA land. Yeah. But like, if you went to a regular supermarket, you can't go to like, that was one of the things that blew me away over Christmas. Um, when I was was making food for, for us and, and your family, yeah, um, was like pre grated carrot being available at the supermarket. It was a, a like you know new world only like, you know my mind was just like oh sweet this is so much easier. I freaking hate grating carrots yeah, like yeah. sorted. That's an ingredient in the salad that we're having with our dinner. I mean I've definitely bought like pre peeled and chopped carrot sticks into yeah, the yeah. but, but they come in a bag. To, yeah. I wouldn't then empty them into a drawer in my fridge. And bridge. not to mention the fact <laughs> that they would be like maximum like five hundred grams. And we're yeah. talking like an entire drawer <laughs> that is filled like three quarters of the way up. So it'd be like two, three inches of space at the top of it <laughs> filled with probably like seventy carrots worth of carrot sticks. Yeah. And then, yeah, the second time when Paul Rudd's, like, making himself a sandwich, it is literally, like, <laughs> I, you know, I know it's 95 when this movie's set, but, like, looking back at it, it'd be, like, several hundred dollars worth of, like, cut sandwich But it's meat. like when she's, when she's decided to do, like, the food drive or whatever, and she just goes and they just have a full cupboard of food that no one's eating, and yeah. she's like, oh, you don't want this red caviar, do you, Dad? And yeah. Something, like, and just taking... Whatever, whatever she wants out of this totally packed cupboard yeah. that clearly no one's eating out of. Yeah. Um, it's bizarre. It's very bizarre. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, excess. Yeah, um, I mean, but that's the idea. It's this. Yeah. It's it's satirizing these people who were, and you know, the idea. I have to applaud, um, the person who adapted this because, like. The concept of taking that Regency era, wealthy society stuff and being like, where can I put that in modern era? And yeah. just like transplanting it into Beverly Hills is fantastic. It does work. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, absolutely genius. I'm trying to find who did it. Uh, I know it is a... Oh, written um, by the director. Yeah, yeah. She wrote it as... I know she wrote it as a... Um, um, a TV pilot first, right? And then it ended up being made as a as a feature film. Um, Amy Heckerling. Yeah, just going through her stuff now. Oh yeah, she don't know. I don't don't know what else she's done to be honest. Um, well, stands out to me were Fast Times at Richmond High. She right. She's a director there. Um, something I personally don't like, which is National Lampoon's European Vacation. Look who's talking! Look who's talking to! She didn't. She was a producer on Look Who's Talking Now, which I think someone with the pets in it. I, I can't remember. Um, oh, they did make a Clueless TV show in the end. Loser. Writer, director, and producer. She Interesting. A director on The Office. Yeah, I saw that. Um, um, it's recent. 
royalties, weird city. No, not weird a lot oaks. that I've heard of. Yeah, no, I haven't heard but, of it. But, uh, well, I mean, just, I think, totally inspired to, um, to take that story and put it into that setting. Yeah. And, and well adapted in the sense that, like, you know, the, the satire of it comes through and the relationship, like you said that the relationships in Emma made more sense to you having watched Clueless. Yeah. Which is exactly what you want if you're making a modern adaptation of something. Yeah. You know, you want people to look at it and go, oh, okay, I get these things. I wonder, are there people who, like, studied Emma in school and were only able to, like, understand the dynamics in it by having watched Clueless? <laughs> Because I can't imagine, like, high school people, like, having studied, like, studying Jane Austen and yeah. reading this book and being like, I don't get it. And then watching Clueless and be like, oh, okay, I see. <laughs> it's, um, the, even the fashion of that era is so bizarre to me. What, the 90s or the Regency era? Well, I grew up in the 90s, so I remember the fashion <laughs> being that bizarre. Um... You know, you know, I always joke and say the New Zealand until the internet, New Zealand was like a, a decade behind the rest of the yeah, world because yeah. everything just took longer to get here um, because we're so far away. Even though Australia is right there and is pretty like up to it, but again, Australian fashion sense is. I was I was definitely in uh, in some nineties fashion in the nineties. I was a child though. Yeah. So it's forgivable. I definitely did wear double denim. Um. A lot of bright colours and things. and yeah. yeah. But it's interesting because you get talk about New Zealand skateboarding. And, like, yeah. everybody in New Zealand skateboards. Yeah, it's true. There's, like, every, like you walk around Wellington, there's so many skateboarders yeah. everywhere. I have never seen that anywhere else I've, <laughs> I've, I've been. Because we, like, just everybody grew up with, like, Bart Simpson and that was the end of it. Like, <laughs> Bart Simpson is everyone's idol. Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, it's like, I think, going back, did you have tearaways? The, the, the like, jeans or the pants, pants whatever that you, you could take the on the sides, of? yeah. Um, I never had any. Yeah. I'm aware of their existence. Yeah, that was like the biggest thing. Like, you weren't anybody on the playground unless you were wearing tearaway pants. Um, I had those like runners that lit up when you walked. I thought those that's were very cool. Far too fancy from when I was a child. I thought they were very cool. Yeah, that would require like, and <laughs> in, in my era would require like a battery pack. I like I remember wanting, but like I'm glad I never got them because I had no coordination. Those shoes that like you like click the heel and and like rollerblades came out of them. Like wheelies or oh, whatever. They're not. They're not. You don't click the heel. Oh, you know, you like you like do something with the with the heel of it. Yeah, yeah. They 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 like, yeah. Um, you have to like flex it or something, and then like a and then wheels come out of it. Yeah, they. I thought they were so cool. So the 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 cool thing everybody wanted when it's similar to wheelies was um, soaps. Soaps. Soaps for shoes um, that had like metal inlets. So you could slide down rails and stuff on them. Oh, jeez. Yeah, just as, like, OSHA unapproved. Because <laughs> um, um, where you currently work and where I used to work, wheelies were a big thing. And you just see, like, small children just be like, yeah, past yeah, you. And yeah. it was like, 
the mole the moles were always really bad because obviously you know you could like that very huge juxtaposition between elderly people who are just like out meeting their you know friends and then like young parent like young youngish parents with kids and you know the, they've got two smaller ones and then usually some other one that's like slightly older and more you know i'm bored so i'm gonna create havoc mm. but they were a big thing they were a big thing you just like see kids just like zooming through them all and you're like how, you know how is this past like how is this past like because there was so many cool things in the 90s that are super dangerous oh yeah like moon boots mm. uh, for those who don't know they were like boots that you put on your shoe and they had like a mini trampoline yeah. So the whole point was, was like, your legs don't feel any gravity, but you're clearly pushing off the ground. So you're just like getting less resistance so you could hop around on them. But the problem was, is because of the technology and because of the hard, durable plastic and the, like the, the, the material, they were prone to breaking your ankle. Um, and, I th- and I think they disappeared very quickly. Um, the other one, like every... Was rollerblading a big thing? Yeah, I I got rollerblades at one point, and I was not good at them. Yeah. I was really not good at them, and then I didn't use them very much. Yeah. But I did have rollerblades. That was something I got. Yeah, rollerblades became a huge thing, and they make so much sense, and it's just the fact that someone, well, probably a group of people, were just, like, you know, made some homophobic slur about people in rollerblades and then rollerblading just sort of disappeared. But it, like, makes so much sense to getting around. Mm. It's good for your physical health. You know, we wouldn't have to rely on cars. Like, I'd love to live in a society where... We just rollerbladed we around. Just, everybody just rollerbladed. It'd be great. But then we need the wheelies because then we can <laughs> you can turn them back into regular shoes. You don't have to take them just off. business shoe wheelies. I would love business shoe wheelies. <laughs> uh, that would be my go-to getting to work on 100%. <laughs> Someone needs to get me some business shoot wheelies. Yeah. And then I, that's that's going to be me sorted. That's my to and from work. I'm just going to wheelie. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, well, that's some nostalgia about the 90s. Well, that's going to happen when you watch a movie like Clueless. Which yeah. is all the movies. Not that either of us lived in anything as glamorous as the, the Beverly Hills mansions yeah, that they yeah. have in. Just, also, like with her wardrobe that like her, her com- computerized wardrobe and her touch screen yeah um crt computer screen which makes no sense yeah um very high tech <laughs> much much higher tech than anything i had in yeah the, and the that kind of technology used just to get dressed yeah yeah, yeah. it's funny the amount of clothes she has jesus yeah it's it's, it's um, ridiculous. Like I said, ex- excess to yeah. the point of excess. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's, it's funny because um, one of the major things is obviously there's no, like, something you can compare it to in Emma. It's just the fact that everyone's terrible at driving. Yeah, it's hilarious. The, the, it's just these, like, rich kids who can take their dad's car out or whatever or have a, or have a car of their own because yeah. they're 16 and they're just... Absolutely terrible at driving. Yeah. Um, to the point that the, when she goes to take her test, the instructor gets her to pull over in the middle of it and is like, no, get out of the car, you have failed. Yeah. And she's like, but we're not going to do these things. He's like, no, 
No. <laughs> she almost runs over, and it's the like she that she pulls into the cycle lane and almost runs over cycles, and she's like, he came out of nowhere. Like, the same thing she sees when she hits a pop pole. Yeah, it's like yeah. On the she, side. she drove up on the curb and hit a plant and was like, wow, they came out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. It's um. You know, I, I hate to offend anybody who, who idolizes these people, but, like, have you seen that, like, clip from the Kardashian show? Because one of them is required to wear glasses while driving. Oh, no. And, like, almost killed, like, on camera almost hits another car. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, I can't see anything with my glasses. I am the thing. And the other person's like, no, they're not. And they're like, oh, okay. And they just, like, kept driving. And I'm like, what is ha Like, anywhere else in the world... Yeah. You get pulled over and they look at your license and go, where are your glasses? Yeah. Cool, you're under arrest for driving, you know, violating the, the law. Um, and, yeah, it just it, it just screams to me of that, like, where they live and the excess of where they live. Just yeah. like, you never see a single police officer or security personnel, the, like, not even at the schools. And I know they weren't, like, big in the 90s, mm -hmm. but they were still, like... There's an entire era of L.A. where the police were, like, the worst people on the planet. And yet you get the juxtaposition of where they live. is just, like, you never see a police officer or anybody of authority other than Daddy who's got the, you know, credit card. Yeah, yeah. So, and even, like, she doesn't respect her teacher's authority. Yeah. She just, like, literally plays them all to get her grades up. Yeah. Uh, to which her dad is, like... I well be, he's like, I couldn't be more proud than if you had actually done this done based it, on yeah. grades. You know, if this was based on real grades. Because he's just proud that she managed to actually manipulate all the teachers into giving her better grades. Um, what I take away from both these movies um, is Emma is a really good movie. A good film. Mm -hmm. I, I would watch it again. Not soon, but again. Mm -hmm. Um Clueless is like a time capsule, obviously with Br Brittany Murphy's um, death, which was very sad because mm -hmm. she was very talented. Yeah. I um, mean, even Alicia Silverstone is... Yeah. Great, Because like, that was the first film she was in. Yeah. And she's fantastic in it. And then... Paul Rudd, obviously. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Yeah. Um, but Alicia Silverstone's career tanked then very shortly afterwards with Batman and Robin. Oh, God. <laughs> she was like, Because <laughs> she was cast... She was cast in Clueless um, off the back of the director having seen her in one of Aerosmith's videos. Right. Um, because that was all, that was the only acting she'd done to that day. Today was She'd done a couple of Aerosmith videos. And... Um, they, uh, there was a lot of, it sounds like a lot of big name actresses up for the role. Right. But the studio didn't put pressure on the director to cast a big name actress. So she was like, okay, well, I want to go with this girl <laughs> bring her in. Um, which is the right decision. And it's, you know, um, another case for not, not casting people just because of their name, because like, um, you know, Angelina Jolie was up for that role. And I can't imagine Clueless with Angelina Jolie. Reese Witherspoon. Um, maybe a little bit more, but I can't... I don't know. Reese Witherspoon... It would just be... Uh, Elle Woods from Legally Blonde. Yeah. And, and Clueless. I don't think it would have worked as well. I think... Some it, interesting titles in her... Uh, her filmography. Who, Alicia Silverstone? Yeah. Um... Very weird. 
yeah, it does seem to be like going up and then Batman and Robin. Yeah. And she got she got like really heavily criticized um for her looks in Batman and Robin. Right. Like literally people cuz she played um Batgirl and people yeah. called her like fat girl. And she was not fat. Yeah. <laughs> but then at the same time like, She's not a stick. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the the issue because like um was it Kate Moss? Who was the person that was like the ideal like body type in the nineties? Uh, Kate Moss is probably one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is like everybody's different, everyone's got a different genetic makeup. Like getting to that skinny level for a lot of people would be super unhealthy because you just physically have a larger frame. Yeah. Um Yeah. I I I don't there's a lot of problems with Batman and Robin and her BMI is definitely not, not one, one of the problems. Yeah, it I think is... if the, the combo of people criticizing her for her looks and like that, plus the movie not doing well. It's just the movie is just like I have I have no issue um, with like stories um, stories being adapted uh, adaptations of stories that are in sort of, like, trying to find, like, a nice balance between their personal style and, you know, the actual the actual source material. But uh, Joel Schumacher cannot make, like, comic book movies. Like, they are... Um, they feel like erotica. Mm. And, you know, it goes... You know, you, you go from you know, uh, uh, my favourite era of Batman to, like, these movies where they were all wearing, like, weird prosthetic muscle suits and, you know, you know, um, um, George Clooney's famous thing about how he's got a framed picture of himself as Batman to never take a movie just for the paycheck. <laughs> like, what was the point of putting nipples on a bat suit? Like, just, just that whole era of, like, okay, Tim Burton made this really amazing how do you get that from screen from paper to screen in a way where it's, you know, this weird gothic sort of not quite reality, sub-reality. You know, Gotham is this very weird place with, like, this this gothic statues and at the same time, like, very modern for that era that it's set in. Um, transport systems. Um, I think the Nolan, did, Nolan verse did it very well, but... Mm. And then turning into this very, like... You know, if you're going in and you're making a Batman movie for the modern era, obviously it was the 90s, but for the modern era and going, the inspiration I'm going to draw on is the Adam West Batman. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> you're going to end up with stuff that is campy. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, I like Batman being campy. Yeah. I, I do enjoy Batman Forever. I know we talk about this because yeah. you don't agree with me. No, I don't. I like it. Okay. I enjoy it. I don't think it's necessarily a good movie. Yeah. I just enjoy it. But Batman and Robin is just bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's just bad in pretty much every way that it can be bad. Um, I do like Batman Forever. <laughs> I like the campy Val Kilmer Batman. See, Val Kilmer I can deal with. Like, yeah. 
and and his weird body movements are just absolutely great when you realize that he physically couldn't move his head. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So therefore, yeah. like, yeah, everything is a full torso <laughs> turn from looking it's up great. to looking down to turning around. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. I enjoy it. I do it. I mean, I love Michael Keaton's Batman, yeah. you know. Um, but then, yeah, I do enjoy Val Kilmer's Batman and Batman Forever. Um, it is a weird movie, though. Yeah. But then, yeah, Batman, Batman and Robin went... Rapidly down. Yeah, any, any any of them with George Clooney is just. He's only in one movie. <laughs> yeah, and I'm saying anything with George Clooney is. <laughs> That's not true. George Clooney is. I mean, we watch Our Brother Where Art Thou. No, no, no I'm saying and, and, and taking a, a a character like Batman and putting George Clooney. As yeah, Bruce that's Wayne a wrong and, decision. Yeah. But I mean, I also can understand why you could look at George Clooney and compare to Bruce Wayne in terms of being, you know. I thought, wealthy. In, I thought he was in two. George Clooney as Batman. Yeah. No, he only did Batman, Batman and Robin. He had Michael Keaton for two of them, and then um, Val Kilmer for one, Clooney for one. Wow. Like, my brain has, like, like, done that weird, like, separation of, like... Okay. You're like Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze are in two different movies. I was going to call him Mr. Frost. That's definitely not his name. There's probably a... There's so many ice-based <laughs> villains ice in, to meet you. in DC. We've gone completely off the tangent now. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's just that whole era. And it's, again, like I was talking about earlier in the podcast of, of this like weird rom- um, romanticization of, uh, of like an era where, you know, people of color didn't have rights, people of... of, of low income didn't have rights people yep. that weren't men didn't have rights yeah let's romanticize like the worst time for yeah and but like that i think that's people reading things incorrectly because yeah. emma is certainly not supposed to romanticize it no and i think the film does a decent job of following that kind of yeah. satirical like look how ridiculous these um, these standards are. But I'm saying what I'm trying to point out is is that without the success of other shows that romanticize that era of history, we probably wouldn't have got like this good of an adaptation in mm. 2020. Possibly, yeah. Like if you imagine this, like Clueless came out in 2020, <laughs> and. But they did, um, because they had. I mean, one of the things they did with Emma was they had etiquette experts. Yeah. Um, for example, because one of the... One the fact that that's a job is mind-blowing. But, I mean, you can understand why. Like, if someone is trying to make a period piece, they want, and it's especially a Jane Austen yeah. adaptation where the whole point of it is criticising and satirising the etiquette of the time. Yeah. You want to get that etiquette right. Because it, like, it came up um, because there's the scene... Where they dance together. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of Emma and Mr. Knightley realizing that they might have feelings for each other. Mm. Um, and they're the only people who dance without their gloves on. Oh, my God. Scandalous. They're touching yeah, skin. Exactly. Which is not okay. And they had to consult with an etiquette expert to, because they wanted to have them dancing without their gloves on. And their etiquette expert was like, yes, uh, it would be allowed only if it's after they have just eaten which is why they have to do it right after the scene where they've eaten, right. <laughs> you know, that they're, they've taken their gloves off to eat and they just, they got into the dance before they put them back on. Um, and, you know, the idea was to, to add some element of sexual attention to that, to that scene 
to give you that idea that like these people are being more intimate than they're supposed to be in this in this setting. Scandalous. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas they, everyone else is wearing gloves. Do they also show ankle? <gasps> no, I don't think any ankles are shown in this movie. How dare you? <laughs> um, but one of the things that I love about it, uh, about this adaptation of Emma, is that all of the musical performances in it are real. Right. There's no stage performances. There's no, like, recording played over. The actors actually played the piano or the, the violin or whatever. Um and the actress uh, Amber Anderson, who plays Jane Fairfax, she when she plays that Mozart uh, piano sonata, yeah. she had to like relearn the piece because the period accurate instrument has shorter keys than any piano she'd ever have played on. That's weird. So she had to relearn it for <laughs> different sized keys <laughs> um, in order to play it. Because, uh, but I mean, she does it fantastically in the movie. Um, but yeah, I like that, that all of the all of the musical performances are, are legitimate. It's the actual actors just, you know, playing those instruments and singing. All the singing is real. Um, what else have I got in terms of... Trivia? Trivia. Um, oh yeah, the when, when Mr. Knightley eventually asks Emma to marry him, mm. he proposes to her, she has a nosebleed. Yeah. So... Apparently the director, Autumn DeWilde, she gets nosebleeds herself and she, she spoke with the screenwriter and wanted to include um, a nosebleed somewhere in the script. So they originally had a had a scene of Harriet getting a nosebleed when she was trying to um, figure out, uh, or they were like playing charades or something and she's trying to guess it and got a nosebleed. Yeah. And then Mr. Woodhouse has to be brushed out of the room so he wouldn't have to see the sight of blood and all right. this stuff. But then they moved it to the proposal scene instead to add a bit of comedy to that scene. Yeah. But Anya Taylor-Joy also gets nosebleeds. Right. They didn't use any special effects. She was able to give herself a nosebleed on cue. That's insane. I don't know how you do that. I get nosebleeds. I wouldn't be able to just decide to bleed out. <laughs> she says it was um, her favorite moment in the entire shoot and a really proud moment for her that they did this and she was able to, like, in perfect timing, just... On cue, give herself a nosebleed. How do you do that? I don't know, but my nose feels really uncomfortable now. <laughs> I can't imagine just like just like acting in a scene and being like, nosebleed. Yeah, no, yeah. You know, like I've heard of actors doing like the single tear and yeah, stuff like yeah. that, but like to just be standing there, be like, no, 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 we're not gonna need any fake blood for this scene. I, I got you. <laughs> um, and I love that she's like super proud of it. I think that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> uh, for clueless, um. One of the funniest pieces of trivia for this, which I think a lot of people know, this is like a, a well-known piece of trivia about Clueless um, for people who know the movie. I know you you were not familiar with the movie before. Um, is that the the bit where Ty insults Cher by calling her a virgin who can't drive? Yeah. Brittany Murphy afterwards in an interview was like, it's really funny because when we filmed that, I was a virgin who couldn't drive. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah. Um... Apparently, Paul Rudd auditioned for, like, multiple different roles in it. So he auditioned for um, Christian and Elton and Murray as well. Wow. Um, and the reason he auditioned for Murray, who is, as you know, a black character, because yeah. he's played by um, Donald Faison, um, was because when he read the script, he assumed that he was a white teenager trying to pretend to be a rapper. Right. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Um, the other thing was for Murray... The reason he has braces 
is because Donald Faison um, thought his teeth were too small and he wanted to buy his tiny teeth. <laughs> so rather than, you know, paying to have all of his teeth extracted and replaced, yeah. as, as you may do if you are Michael Bay, yeah. um, they put braces on him. Um, and he agreed to having his head shaved uh, because he... He was eight, 18 years old when they did this, right. but he was already had a receding hairline. So he was like, yep, shave the head, shave the head. Right. <laughs> um, the, um, well, most of these are just facts about Christian being gay, which is hilarious. Uh, the only other one I have is that Josh, um, because he's in college, he's supposed to be older than all the other characters, mm. but um, he's actually two years, Paul Rudd is two years younger than uh, Stacey Dash, who played Dion. Right. <laughs> she was the oldest member of the cast. But she was only 29, I think. So they're, they're, most of the cast are late teens, early 20s. I think the only one who was underage was Brittany Murphy. She was 17. And she had to have a chaperone on set. Was her. Um, but the rest of them, I think Alicia Silverstone is like one year older than her. So she probably just turned 18 or something like that. Right, right. Um, the Christian stuff, um, I'll go through it. So there was the, the, the first scene where you see Amy standing in front of a sign saying end discrimination, um, in the, oh yeah. And then in, in, in that class, he's reading a book called Junkie, which is about the underground society of homosexuality in post-World War II America. Um, when he calls Cher when she's packing for her father and she's surprised that he called, he's at a museum standing in front of a painting of two men. Um, affectionately embracing each other, <laughs> and then obviously the the films that he chooses to watch. Yeah. Um, so they just kept dropping hints the whole way. I do love that um, Donald Faison's character describes him as Oscar Wilde reading when he's <laughs> trying to tell them, and uh, he does call him a friend of Dorothy as well, which is quite a, a common term for a gay man. But um, yeah, I particularly like that he referred to him as a as a <laughs> Oscar Wilde reading friend, card holding friend of Dorothy. For those who don't know, Oscar Wilde would have beaten the shit out of you. <laughs> um, so think about that. Um, Oscar Wilde was, yes, a, a boxer. Yeah. 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 More commonly known as a writer. writer yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a poet. Yeah. Um, do you want to look up budget and box office for these at all? I don't think there's really any comparison. Well, the budgets were around the same. But obviously in different eras. Yeah. So, uh, budget for Clueless was twelve million dollars. Budget for Emma was ten million. Um, so you could compare based on that. Um, the box office for Clueless was fifty six million dollars, and for Emma was twenty six point eight million. But I don't know to what extent that was affected by the fact that it was released in February twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do know that Emma was has been on Netflix for quite a while, or it had been on Netflix for quite a while. Yeah. Um, so it was, um, probably a lot of a lot of viewership through there, which wouldn't have been yeah, because it was up as numbers for for um. Is it ta- yeah Anna Taylor Anna Taylor Joy Taylor yeah, yeah. Anya Taylor Joy yeah her, her record for the last couple of years has been insane yeah like you know obviously everybody watched uh, well not everybody but there was a lot of hype around uh, Queen's Gambit mm-hmm. um, last night in Soho is fantastic um, the witch which the was witch, yeah. I think her first film or one of her first films and what was the last thing I was thinking of. Um, what was the real recent one? Oh, the menu. 
Oh, I think they say the Northmen, which we covered on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. also Super Mario Brothers, oh, which yeah, we covered on the podcast. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's just like raking it at the moment. Well, I mean, she's now the the next thing she's in is going to be big as well. What's that? Furiosa. Oh yeah, I forgot that she was Furiosa. She's playing young Furiosa. I don't know what it's going to be like. I, mean, I imagine it will make some money though. Yeah, I just I just find the timeline of Mad Max confusing now. But anyway, um, as a person who's seen four of them, um, and yes, the first one doesn't start in the apocalypse, um, which is even more confusing. <laughs> the yeah, uh, I was gonna say what was I gonna say? I was gonna say sorry, it's getting warm in here. My brain can't focus on things at the same time. That's um, for anyone who has that on their bingo card of things that Nick's going to say in the yeah, podcast. it's warm in here. It's getting warm in here, so my brain doesn't work anymore. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just like lots of pieces of string, and I have to grab two ends and tie them together so I can make a sentence. Um, if you want to follow us on multiple platforms, please check out our website, ittakes2.co.nz. Um, that you can find everything, uh, obviously in the footnote, show notes, description, whatever it's called on your platform of listening, you can find a link to everything, including our Discord. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode and continue listening to us throughout 2024. Happy Valentine's Day and um, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>